Hello, I'm Joanne, and you're listening to a bonus episode called Miriam's Lover by Lucy Maud Montgomery. You can listen to the whole story and other episodes while enjoying ad-free listening by becoming a premium member at driftoff.supercast.com, or you can find the link in the show notes. That's driftoff.supercast.com. For the month of October, the theme of the stories that I will be reading both on my premium and regular podcast feeds will lean towards the theme of autumn, ghosts, and Halloween. Nothing too scary, of course, but just enough to get us in the mood for the fall. Tonight's storytelling is called Miriam's Lover by Canadian author Lucy Maud Montgomery. This story makes us wonder whether ghosts really do exist. And so as always, my friend, settling comfortably under the covers. Take a slow, comfortable breath. And as you exhale, relax and let go. Allow any tension to just melt away. Letting your body sink deeper and deeper down into the softness of your bed. There is nothing else to do and nowhere else to be. So just lay back, relax, and enjoy the story. I had been reading a ghost story to Mrs. Sefton, and I laid it down at the end with a little shrug of contempt. What utter nonsense, I said. Mrs. Sefton nodded abstractedly above her fancy work. That is, it is a very commonplace story indeed. I don't believe the spirits of the departed trouble themselves to revisit the glimpses of the moon for the purpose of frightening honest mortals, or even for the sake of hanging around the favorite haunts of their existence in the flesh. If they ever appear, it must be for a better reason than that. You don't surely think that they ever do appear, I said incredulously. You have no proof that they do not, my dear. Surely, Mary, I exclaimed, you don't mean to say that you believe people ever do or can see spirits, ghosts as the word goes. I didn't say I believed it. I never saw anything of the sort. I neither believe nor disbelieve. But you know strange things do happen at times, things you can't account for. At least people who you know wouldn't lie say so. Of course, they may be mistaken, and I don't think that everybody can see spirits either, provided they are to be seen. It requires people of a certain organization, with a spiritual eye, as it were. We haven't all got that. In fact, I think very few of us have. I dare say you think I'm talking nonsense. Well, yes, I think you are. You really surprise me, Mary. I always thought you the least likely person in the world to take up with such ideas. Something must have come under your observation to develop such theories in your practical head. Tell me what it was. To what purpose? You would remain as skeptical as ever. Possibly not. Try me, 
I may be convinced. No, returned Mrs. Sefton calmly. Nobody ever is convinced by hearsay. When a person has once seen a spirit, or thinks he has, he thenceforth believes it. And when somebody else is intimately associated with that person, and knows all the circumstances, well, he admits the possibility, at least. That is my position. But by the time it gets to the third person, the outsider, it loses power. Besides, in this particular instance, the story isn't very exciting. But then, it's true. You have excited my curiosity. You must tell me the story. Well, first tell me what you think of this. Suppose two people, both sensitively organized individuals, loved each other with a love stronger than life. If they were apart, do you think it might be possible for their souls to communicate with each other in some inexplicable way? And if anything happened to one, don't you think that one could and would let the spirit of the other know? You're getting into too deep waters for me, Mary, I said, shaking my head. I'm not an authority on telepathy, or whatever you call it, but I have no belief in such theories. In fact, I think they are all nonsense. I'm sure you must think so too in your rational moments. I dare say it is all nonsense, said Mrs. Sefton slowly. But if you had lived a whole year in the same house with Miriam Gordon, you would have been tainted too. Not that she had theories, at least. She never aired them if she had. But there was simply something about the girl herself that gave a person strange impressions. When I first met her, I had the most uncanny feeling that she was all spirit, all soul, with no flesh. That feeling wore off after a while, but she never seemed like other people to me. She was Mr. Sefton's niece. Her father had died when she was a child. When Miriam was twenty, her mother had married a second time and went to Europe with her husband. Miriam came to live with us while they were away. Upon their return, she was herself to be married. I had never seen Miriam before. Her arrival was unexpected, and I was absent from home when she came. I returned in the evening, and when I saw her first, she was standing under the chandelier in the drawing room. Talk about spirits. For five seconds, I thought I had seen one. Miriam was a beauty. I had known that before, though I think I hardly expected to see such wonderful loveliness. She was tall and extremely graceful, dark, at least her hair was dark, but her skin was wonderfully fair and clear. Her hair was gathered away from her face, and she had a high, pure white forehead and the straightest, finest, blackest brows. Her face was oval, with very large and dark eyes. I soon realized that Miriam was in some mysterious fashion different from other people. I think everyone who met her felt the same way, yet it was a feeling hard to define. For my part, I simply felt as if she belonged to another world.